With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Two of college football's most historic programs face off this weekend on Fox. We'll look ahead to the biggest game of the weekend as Ohio State heads to Norman to take on Oklahoma. Plus, we'll preview a top 10 battle in Louisville as the Cardinals host ACC rival Florida State. And we'll look at some players that should be in the Heisman discussion. Kalen Balazs has tied the FBS record with eight touchdowns in one game. Breaking the Huddle starts right now. Hey, welcome into Breaking the Huddle presented by Dr. Pepper. It's a college football tradition. No tailgate or watch party is complete without Dr. Pepper. I'm Joel Klatt, and we've got a packed show today ahead of the biggest college football game of the weekend. Number three, Ohio State heads to Norman to take on number 14, Oklahoma. I will be calling the game on Fox with Gus Johnson. This week is very special, by the way, as we will be taking Breaking the Huddle on the road to Norman. Join us on, on Friday for a Facebook Friday. Uh, we'll be there Friday night. You can be there in person, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central Time, live from Fuzzy's Taco Shop on Asp Avenue, right in the heart of Campus Corner at the University of Oklahoma. Fox College football analyst Dave Wanstad and sideline reporter Shannon Spake are going to join me on the show, and we want you, the fans, to come out and join us as well. we got a lot to get into tonight, and we'll dive deep into the matchup between the Sooners and the Buckeyes. Louisville quarterback Lamar Jackson has shredded his first two opponents. Saturday, he faces ACC rival Florida State at home, where he has a chance to really cement that uh, candidacy for the Heisman. Plus, there's a ton of other great action this weekend. Matt Leinert and Bruce Feldman will join me in a moment to preview it all. But first... We have to discuss a couple of things that occurred in week two. We start in Stillwater, Oklahoma, where Central Michigan shocked the 22nd ranked Cowboys on their home turf with the Hale lateral. You know the story. This was the untimed down that was given to Central Michigan after the uh, intentional grounding from Oklahoma State. Of course, Mike Gundy didn't know the rule. Mason Rudolph didn't know the rule. So they get the intentional grounding. Then the officials awarded them this play that shouldn't have been a play. It was wrongly enforced as the official from the MAC awarded Central Michigan uh, this play. Listen, this is the bottom line. Oklahoma State won this game. When you look at that game, the Oklahoma State Cowboys earned the victory because the rules of football said that they earned the victory. This type of mistake happened at a point in the game where it's very easy to know what the impact would have been if enforced correctly. Oklahoma State won the game, period. The state of officiating in college football is so convoluted and chaotic, but that's no reason to punish the players on the field. We had a MAC officiating crew and a Big 12 replay crew, so it's safe to assume that they had limited to no experience working with one another. Again, no reason to punish the kids or preventing them from experiencing what they rightfully earned based on the rules of the game. Officiating in college football has to achieve some greater sense of continuity, and it can start by having one national officiating body. Right now we have each conference that has their own officiating body and their own coordinator. That's insane! Can you imagine watching the Denver Broncos play the New England Patriots with an AFC East officiating crew and an NFC South replay staff? It's nuts! Time to effort continuity and consistency plus accuracy over convenience. Lord knows there's enough money floating around with the bloated salaries of conference commissioners, school administrators, and head coaches to make this a reality. But I'm not done with these types just yet. Williams over the middle. And caught 
First down, no. Rolling on the field is an incomplete forward pass. We have personal foul targeting. That play is under further review. This, this is the strike zone changing late as Simpkins goes down low. Gus, just like you said, Nakua is trying his best to lower himself and lead with the shoulder. The intent for Nakua is there to not target high on the defenseless receiver. He didn't launch himself, Gus. He didn't lead with the crown. He's trying to hit with the shoulder. He's doing everything right, but the strike zone lowers late. Kai Nakua should absolutely remain in this ball game. And this is the problem with letter of the law versus some common sense when we get into these rulings. Let's hope he stays. After further review, the ruling on the field stands. Oh. Number 12 is disqualified. That's terrible. The ejection attached to the targeting foul is awful for football. Now, I want to be clear. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for trying to protect players and finding ways to make the game safer. But this is not it. As you heard me say, we have shifted the responsibility away from the one person on the field that can actually control situations like we just saw. The quarterback. And it's always been his responsibility for the health and well-being of his receivers. That, all of a sudden, is no longer the case. Now there's actually an incentive for quarterbacks to put their guys in harm's way. This is a nasty, unintended consequence of these recent initiatives. If you are hell-bent on ejecting players, then you have to give them the opportunity to adjust. Kai Nakua did everything he possibly could, save for not contacting the receiver at all, to try to avoid forcible contact with the head or neck area. The receiver ducked his head into the hitting zone. How about we put the targeting uh, foul into the unsportsman category? That way it would result in an ejection only after two fouls. That's one way to change it. And if we're truly concerned with player safety and not just protecting the powers that be in the court of law, then why haven't we adopted the NFL style of game clock? There's absolutely no reason to stop the clock on first downs outside of the last two minutes of each half. That is a real solution to minimize the number of head impacts that players are exposed to. We could reduce the number of total snaps per game by 15 to 20, which is about a whole game per year per team. Oh, and it would not change the tempo or nature of the game at all. It's time to make changes that actually protect the players and that make the game safer rather than making the case for administrators in the court of law. As I've mentioned, Saturday's game between Ohio State and Oklahoma is one that has been circled on the calendar for a long time. Coverage on Fox begins at 7 p.m. Eastern. And this game is one of two between college football's most historic programs. Both teams have combined for 12 AP national titles, 79 conference titles, each team with over 860 total wins. That's absurd. Ohio State has produced seven Heisman Trophy winners to Oklahoma's five, and both teams have won over 20 bowl games. Urban Meyer and Bob Stoops know what's at stake with this primetime matchup. The best thing about 2-0, a chance to go 3-0. It's going to be real difficult, obviously, a very good team. Big week with Ohio State here coming to town. Excellent football team. There's no way to simulate going on the road in the offseason I would have done it. You definitely have to concentrate on what really matters, and that's the work you do on the field in the film room and ignore the rest of it. That's one of those sick feelings on the sidelines. And use language I can't use right here, like, son of a... Everybody likes to see these kind of matchups, even that aren't Oklahoma and Ohio State fans. The size of the defensive line, you're not going to run. You know, you have to be really, really on your target to run the football on them. They're big, gigantic guys inside, a very similar Alabama defensive line. Starts with their quarterback, the balance of being able to run and throw, their quickness on the outside. Defensively, same thing, strength up front, quick in the secondary. Had enough for you? Well, we have to be balanced. You have no chance in this game to think you're going to go just pound the ball. That's what 50-year-old men do all day. They sit and uh, come in early and drink a lot of coffee and stare at grease boards. All right, welcome back in. Joel Clatt along with Bruce Feldman at Matt and Matt Leinert, our res uh, resident Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, good to have you guys. How you doing? I like it when you guys join me because then I don't have to rant and rave about something <laughs> get all upset about uh, something. All right, so Ohio State, Oklahoma. Uh, Matt, you're going to be there. We're going to yeah. bring the studio show Excited. down there live. Bruce, you'll be handling studio here I'll from Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah. I love it. Wants that blows Bruce, up the do, Bruce yeah. is doing pregame impact players. I love it. I'm taking over. They're not even going to need you guys. <laughs> 
Uh, that's what I like. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. Helps. Before we get into this game, uh, I do want you to know that all the comments and questions that you can possibly throw at us, we're going to try to get to all of them during the course of the show. So we want this to be as interactive as, as it possibly can be here on Facebook Live um, as we go throughout the season and in particular tonight. Um, first, before we get into the game, a couple of comments on my, my rant. Uh, Marvin says, in 10 years, football will be two-hand touch at this rate. Marvin, you might you might be right. I mean, listen. Football, as we know, might be gone. Man. I'm telling you, the way it's going. Football's under attack. What Have you heard anything on the rules front? No, I think, I think what's unique about this one is it wasn't like a judgment call where it was like, all right, was it possession, was it not? These are guys who should know better right. yeah. and just didn't know the rule. That's the part that to me is kind of mind-boggling. It's not one guy. It was like a dozen guys. Again, I think a national officiating body would help a lot. Continuity, training would be better. But let's get into the game. Okay, Ohio State, number three in the country. Oklahoma with that early loss to Houston. And then they face off now uh, in Oklahoma. I will say just real quick, this is the highest ranked team to visit Norman since 2008. Remember when Texas Tech was undefeated late in the season? They had beat Tex Texas. They came in with Michael Trab Crabtree smoked. and got smoked. I was at mm -hmm. that game. 65-21, something along it those lines. pretty close to that, yeah. It wasn't uh, even that close. Sam Bradford and company would go on to win the Big 12 title. They won the tiebreaker. But this is the highest ranked team to visit Norman since then. By the way, Urban Meyer is 18-0. and on the road at Ohio State. Every game he's ever played in a true road environment, he's won. I want to start there because that is insane. That blows my mind that he's had that level of consistency on the road. And I'll, I know that there's been some weak opponents in that 18, but 18, I guys. I think seven of those in the last two years, if you consider like neutral site games or playoff games, were against ranked teams. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could throw Alabama in there. Well, these are only true road games. Well, I, I, the stat I had seen was in the last two years, he is 7-0 against teams away from Columbus. So mm -hmm. that includes, you know, w crushing Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. That includes... You know, because the loss in there was against an unranked Virginia Tech team, yeah. and I forgot, and well, that, Michigan and was State was at home. And and I think a, a key for this game too is is the the youth and the inexperience from Ohio State. Everyone's talking about they look good two and zero, but they haven't been on the road. They haven't been tested yeah. like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how those young guys fare in a hostile environment. That's one of the keys to the game for me is how this young defense fares against that Oklahoma offense. Well, in particular, when you've got veteran quarterbacks. Right. Both of these guys have been in the thick of Heisman Trophy races. Remember, before JT Barrett went down two years ago, he was right there. He came in fifth. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think he came in fifth. Last year, Mayfield was fourth, mm -hmm. uh, I believe. Tyler Tabor uh, asks us on Facebook, who's better, Baker <laughs> or JT? Listen, that's going to be a common question. Yeah. Very different styles of, of game. Matt, I'll, I'll go to you first. I, I, it's, that's a hard one to answer. I, I like them both. I think they're very unique. I, I, I love JT Barrett's leadership qualities. He's calm. He's poised. I love his ability, uh, you know, just to make plays in, in situations uh, and difficult situations. And Baker Mayfield, I, JT Barrett is more cerebral to me in, in a way where I just think, or excuse me, yeah, JT Barrett. And Baker Mayfield is more Johnny Manziel-esque. Yeah. He's more Brett Favre-esque. He's more... It's almost like he wants to be outside of the structure of the offense. Yeah, he just... Like he I thrives think, on I, I think that's what makes... That's what he thrives on. He thrives on just just improvising, running around and making There's a There's a play. gunslinger quality to yeah. him that is very... I mean, he's the guy... Now, both these guys have chips on their shoulder. I mean, JT Barrett is a Texas kid who wanted to go to Texas. They didn't want him. And Baker had hardly anybody but, offered him. But that's what makes him special is, I mean, this kid was a walk-on, and we know how, I mean, we know how walk-ons are on, on football teams, <laughs> Joel. But no, we know how they're treated. We know the, the opportunity to I, play. I know exactly how they're treated. But the opportunity you, you to play. You wonder where this, where this angst comes from? We're all the anger guys like you that. treated him. But he got to see you. That's what makes, to me, again, I, I can't even answer who's better because they're both very good for yeah. their teams and what it's they so are different. asked to do. So. But... The fact that Baker Mayfield was a walk-on, got overlooked, got passed on by almost everybody, for him to be the player that he is and, and to be a Heisman candidate and to lead his team to the playoff last year, it, it's incredible. I, I just, I've been on so many teams and I've seen so many players. It's incredible what he's done. Who for plays them. better Saturday? I think Baker does. I think Baker has actually a better surrounding cast. I mean, has more proven commodities than I really? really? I mean, you look at the two running backs behind him. They played in a bunch of big games. We're still finding out about the. I mean, Curtis Samuel's yeah, dynamic.
And obviously Mike Weber people so, like. So yeah, so if you're not familiar, Mike Weber is the new running back at Ohio State. Curtis Samuel is a guy that's leading them in, in receiving, and yard, he's yeah. their second leading rusher. He's kind of in that H-back kind of a, a hybrid mode. I think that Ohio State has better pass catchers, which in a game like this, Matt, you and I both mm -hmm. know when you get into those games and when you're really evenly matched, what ends up being the biggest down, third down? Right. And what do you need on third down? Receivers. Yeah. You've got to have guys that can win in space. You've got to have guys that can create their own right. space. And I, in, in the Houston game, I just felt like Oklahoma didn't have those guys. Like they were missing Sterling Shepard. Mm -hmm. Like it was glaring that Shepard wasn't on the field. Yeah, Mark Mark Andrews is a guy who's you know scoring a lot of touchdowns. Special talent. It's he, just the consistency. He, he, he that, and then D.D. Westbrook is more of a possession receiver. They don't have, in my opinion, that number one guy where Baker Mayfield can just lean on. When you have a yeah. guy and you know you have you know you have Sterling Shepard on the outside, I'm going to run around. I know you have that chemistry and you build it. I haven't seen that. And I think. I think this is a tougher challenge for Baker Mayfield in a sense where although Ohio State's defense really hasn't been tested, um, they are ball hawks. Yep. They, you know, they lead the country in interceptions, turnover margin. They're fast. They're athletic. They're well coached. And I just think because of that Houston tape and because of what Oklahoma put out there against, against Houston's offense and those receivers, um, you know, JT Barrett's going to be loving this film be like, man, you know, these guys are, are going to be running wild. So I, I just, I think Baker Mayfield has a stiffer challenge even being at home sure. in this football game. Brent Mills says Buckeyes are going to get brutalized, are going to brutalize the Sooners, I should say. OU is continually overrated and it'll show on Saturday. I don't know if Oklahoma is overrated. I think that they've had to adjust mm -hmm. uh, over the course of the last couple of years. To me, it's their running game. If they lean on their running game, I, I genuinely believe if Lincoln Riley just runs the football, they can beat almost anybody in the country. But he cannot help himself at times, and he leans on throwing the football because it's too enticing. That's how he cut his teeth. Remember, he was a assistant, Bruce, I think, for seven years at Texas yeah, Tech. Yeah, even Leach. more than that because he was a student assistant. Yeah. And, you know, so that part of that, you know, I think that's definitely an issue. I think the, where that helps him is this, the defense is so shaky. You know, when you see it, you know, I'm talking to people who are close to Oklahoma. That's their concern is they wonder, what does Mike Stoops have as yeah. answers, especially when it comes to, to mobile quarterbacks, right. and that's what JT is. He's got the home field. <laughs> I mean, he's going to have the crowd. Um, That'll help a lot. Joel, to, to your point, and we actually talked earlier about this, in those three losses, Oklahoma averages 2.1 yards per carry. In the 12 wins since the start of 2015, they averaged 253 yards per game on the ground, five and a half yards per carry. And, and that, that, I mean, that's their formula. That's what they, they do. They run it more than they throw exactly. it in their wins, and they don't do that yeah. in their losses. Again, yeah. I, I think I gave you the numbers against Houston. They essentially called about 15 to 16 right. running plays. Because you're factoring in the May Mayfield scrambles mm -hmm. out of it. Right. The, the, the part that I, I was at the Orange Bowl last year, and the part that kind of surprised me, but when you talk to, like, there were NFL personnel people there, and they said, when you look at them, Clemson's guys physically on the trenches looked a lot better than Oklahoma's. And when you see a team that has similar caliber athletes or better caliber athletes on the line, Oklahoma does not respond well. Clemson kind of kicked their butts. Sure. And Ohio State has, I mean, they're younger guys, but they have guys who could do that. And this is a young Oklahoma offensive line. They were embarrassed by Houston and Ed Oliver and some of those guys, a non-Power 5 conference school. I want to see how they respond yeah. against Ohio State. Ohio State has not given up uh, an offensive touchdown. Their defense has not. The only touchdown that was scored against them was actually a pick six yep. in like the first two series of yeah, the entire was, season. Well, I think it was his first pass. It might have been his yeah. first pass. Um, <laughs> and by the way, that defense has scored three touchdowns right. themselves. So uh, it's, it's going to be an amazing, amazing matchup. Uh, do you guys have a prediction yet, or are you saving that for later in the week? Uh, I, we were just talking about it. I don't have a prediction yet. I, I'm I'm – I'm going to keep digging and see what I think. See what my gut tells <laughs> me on Friday. You. Do you have one, Bruce? You know, I'm tempted to go with, with Oklahoma because I think they were embarrassed, you know, by sure. Houston. And I think, you know, just the, some of the stuff you just said about got to run the football, got to be more physical. I mean, to me, that's where it's going to come down to. If Oklahoma's offensive line can show up and, and really respond to being challenged, that, I, I think they will. Here's a quick thought about this week if you will we've got three programs that could be one and two at the end of the week oklahoma notre dame 
USC. We're going to get to those other two games in a moment, but that's pretty wild when you think about what, what we thought about these teams coming in. I know I wasn't as high on USC, but a team that we didn't I mean, know was going to be. Every, every week it's Every a week jab. i got to throw, throw that in there. Can now. I move this? I mean. <laughs> By the way, we're going to get to this one a little why, bit later. Why are we going to talk we're, about that game? Because the Buffs lead the nation in total defense. One I don't week, know if you knew that. One week he's just going to have Pat Hayden's head up there behind mm, him. Potentially. <laughs> potentially. Uh, okay, so Lamar Jackson. We got to talk about Lamar Jackson because he's taking college football by storm right now. This mm -hmm. guy is ripping it up. 687 pass yards, seven passing touchdowns, one pick, 336 on the ground. He's the second leading rusher in the entire country behind Danelle Pumphrey from San Diego State with six rushing touchdowns, 13 total <laughs> touchdowns in two games. Yeah. This guy is like Michael Vick reincarnated. He's, he's, he's like the human game. joystick. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and, and granted, the, the teams they haven't played, um, there's been zero defense. I mean, I'm watching that Syracuse game, and I'm just thinking, like, I could go out there and maybe have a better chance, at least tackling by the ankle or something. But I don't want to take away from this kid's talent because he is – he is a special, special runner. Uh, I mean, he's electrifying. I think he's really, really improved in the past game. I think it's noticeable this year. Um, this is an interesting game, man, and, and, and this, is, this is the type of game that can – he's already on the radar, but this is the type of game where all of guys like us want to see him do it against a very, very sure. good football team. Florida State defensively is very good. Um, I want a quick live poll out there for all the viewers. Type into Facebook right now. Um, the question is, if the season ended today, I know it's only been two weeks, but isn't the Heisman Lamar Jackson's right now? Isn't he been, hasn't he been the best player in college football? Yes or no? Lamar Jackson is the best player in college football right now. Yes or no? So throw those up there. We'll kind of have an impromptu poll here as we move forward. This week it gets much tougher for Lamar Jackson and Louisville because they host the second best team in the country, Florida State rolls mm -hmm. in. Now, there's one big factor in this game that I think is – could be the ultimate factor. Derwin James, maybe the best defensive player the Florida State has, you could argue. Maybe the best player in the defensive player in the country, potentially. Certainly, yeah, you yeah. could make this a case in that direction. Not going to play in the game. Has a knee injury, so he's going to be out. Uh, we don't know exactly maybe how long. They say they, expect they, five to yeah, seven five weeks, to so seven he may weeks. not even be back in time for the Clemson game. Which is going to be huge, huge, although Clemson's not playing very well. Lamar Jackson at home versus Florida State. Now, they're certainly not just one uh, one-man band for Florida State because their roster, I think, is as good or better than anybody's in college football. Um, this game, to me, comes down to Florida State's ability to stop Lamar Jackson because outside of Lamar Jackson, I just don't know how much Louisville has. He's been that good, that dynamic, but can you see him leaning on other pieces on that offense in order to beat a team like Florida State? They were dropping a ton of passes they on were. Friday. That's the part that would scare me. And that was, you know, granted, that was a road game, but still, it was a lesser, lesser yeah, but caliber that, that opponent. Game, that, 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 there was no crowd in that game. It wasn't even packed. So, so what are you saying? So I'm they weren't dialed in, or no? They, I'm just saying that there that, wasn't they, as much pressure. Yeah, as, okay. and it wasn't. I think although I, they get Florida State at home. No, no, I know. I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I just, I just, I just wonder. If, you like if, them? If, I, I'm, a, I'm sensing that you really like them. I do. The part that concerns me the most, and this is why I gave a friend of mine really bad gambling advice on Friday <laughs> night, was... Who is that friend? Say, no, I don't know. Some guy looks like Stu. So on... <laughs> so on... Um, they give up a ton of big plays, though. And they give up... I mean, look, I think Syracuse's offense is going to be okay. But, but against Florida State's caliber athletes, when you got Dalvin Cook back there... I could just see Florida State lighting up this defense mm -hmm. with big plays. And remember how quickly Florida State can strike. It was 28-6 against Ole Miss, yeah. and then it was just like methodically bang, 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 right back into the game. They end up scoring over 40 points and, and blowing <clears throat> out Ole Miss. Um, Louisville right now is on quite the hot streak. In their last 12 games, they're 10-2. and two. So Bobby Petrino's got it going on. Nobody likes to give him credit because, listen, I get it. You don't want to give a guy like that credit right. after what, what happened with him. But – Bottom line is he's a really good football coach, regardless of what he is as a person. And I think we all kind of know what he is. <laughs> what is he, Joel? <laughs> you, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to dive into the motorcycle? Well, I mean, you keep bringing it out. I know you desperately it. want to say it, but too bad, you know, for all our viewers out there. We'll... I mean, some would say he's a bad guy. Yeah. Very undervalued saying. coach, though. Underrated yeah, coach. Underrated Really good football coach. Yeah. And I Especially think offensively. I mean, yeah. very good offensively. It'll, it'll Do be, you have a pick in this game? I, I, I like Florida State. I think, I think because 
you know, DeAndre Francois is young and all that, but because of what they went through week one in that type of environment and to come back and to go through adversity, be down by three touchdowns and to come back to know you can do it, I think that just as a football, as a part of a team, when you know that you can come back from games like that against almost a good football team, and I know this is on the road, it's going to be a dip, different atmosphere, but I just think knowing that for your psyche and confidence going into a game that you've been there before, it just, hey, Lamar Jackson's going to get some, he's going to have a play early in the game. Yep. They're going to get up maybe. They have that, hey, we've been there before, we can do it. But Louisville even if, even if they get a lead like that, I just don't trust them against when, Florida. I yeah. like Florida State. I do too. When, when was there a player, how long ago was it where you were like this excited about uh, seeing a Michael guy? Michael Vick. That's a long time yeah. ago. I mean, I'm not disagreeing. It's um, a long time. Okay, we, so like top of my head, Denard Robinson? There was another early season, like, flurry guy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and Denard didn't throw it like this kid can throw it. I got to – I mean, but the thing is, is, like, I get excited to see – I got excited to see Derrick Henry. Like, last not year against Auburn, I wanted to see him. Not your old teammate was like that. Reggie – yeah, definitely not you, Matt, but definitely <laughs> Reggie. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding <laughs> me? right under the bus. Well, I mean, no, they, like, McCaffrey that. is a guy like that, but you're talking about at the quarterback position. Who yeah, can I'm do just both. talking about a guy who's, like, he Burst must see it's, it's, yeah. it's Michael Vick. It's, it's I mean, exactly Manziel, Manziel Vick. had some of that, to be honest. I yeah, because you never knew what you was going to You didn't know what was going to happen. I think this kid has a – you know, even more to a to a different. Listen, if he wins this game, I mean, he's already my my top Heisman candidate right now after two weeks. If he wins this game, I mean, I, I have him at number two right now. Just I have him at number two. McCaffrey also. was pretty special yeah. against Kansas State. Um, Nick Saban gets exactly what he wants going into maybe his most crucial week of the season. Really disappointed that we couldn't go finish the game on offense at the end of the game. Um, fumble the ball and give it back to the team when you're just trying to take the air out of the ball. That, that's it's bad ball. It's bad football. And it's not the kind of football we want to play here, and it's not the kind of football team we want to have. And um, I don't know that I've ever been this disappointed after winning a game. Uh, maybe ever. All right, so there he is. Saban unhappy with the performance uh, of his Alabama Crimson Tide. And that's exactly what he wants. So my dad was a a football coach in in high school, and he used to tell me all the time, listen, Joel, you always treat a winning team like losers and a losing team like winners. So you've got to be hard on winners because you have to humble the winning team. This is exactly what Saban wanted going into Ole Miss, an opportunity to treat this team like the worst he's ever treated a team so he could lean on them, have them nine on seven, as physical as possible during the week. The last thing he wanted was some sort of perfect performance last week so that all his guys are going to sit there and be like, hey, we've got this thing solved. Let's just do what we did last week. I think it it reminds me, and and I think the great coaches do that, and and Saban, I mean, Saban is Saban, but when I was in college, um, I, I don't remember the game or whatever, and, and we won a lot of games, but Pete Carroll, <laughs> in my senior year, and at that point I'd played so many games, and Pete confided in me and asked me my thoughts on a lot of things. And, and I remember specifically him telling me, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on the team today. Like, he was, he was strategic. He sure. knew in his mind, I'm going to get the boys fired up because this wasn't a good practice. I'm a little nervous about this team this weekend, um, just so you know. That's where it's coming from. And it's, it might be it's false enthusiasm. It might, it's just false motivation or sure. whatever you want to call it. So I don't know. If, I think Saban knows what he's doing. He probably, he, Saban's a grumpy man. I mean, the guy, I mean, they had 12 penalties. They can't run the ball effectively. They, don't, they look sloppy offensively. And they only averaged 3.2 yeah, yards I mean, per rush. So, so there was a little bit of – he was genuine, I think, at, at some point, but it was a, it was a strategic tactic. I think uh, one of the really – I don't know if I'd say the impressive things about it, but in addition to his rant, Ryan Anderson, who's a senior linebacker, he had talked about after the game, I feel like we let our teammates down. I feel like we let the fans down. When you have players saying that, I think it shows the message – and how the culture that he set there, because let's be honest, he's using guys like you guys in the media to get that message mm-hmm. out. Sure. And of he's he very, I don't know if skillful is the right way to say it, but he, I mean, everything with him has a purpose when he gets up in front of that podium. Marvin Pedigo says on Facebook, Bama will stay undefeated until their visit to Neyland Stadium. Hold on there. Tennessee's 0-24 in their last 24 against top 10 <laughs> opponents. That goes all the way back to, I believe, 2006. So that's a decade of futility, Marvin. So just hang <laughs> on to your orange pom-pom there uh, real quick. <laughs> they still have to get offensive line there. They still have to get past Ole Miss, who is talented enough to beat Alabama. 
Yep. I know I'm not going to pick them to win. I think Alabama is a really good team, and this is exactly the type of te- uh, week that Saban wants. But this is still a team that was able to go in and against maybe a, as talented a roster or just below. They were up 28-6 on Florida State. I mean, they got to, Chad Kelly's the best quarterback in the SEC. That's not necessarily the team I want to go face on the road in his home stadium, in his backyard, is go in and face a Chad Kelly with that type of up-tempo, with that type of offensive firepower. Ole Miss has won the turnover margin in the last two years, winning both games, by the way, but in a combined plus six in the turnover margin. They're not scared of Alabama. You, mm-hmm. th- this, this is a team that could still upset the apple cart. Alabama is not miles better than Ole Miss is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I mean, this is, this is a team that Alabama will have to play really well to win. I saw I was at this game two years ago, and Ole Miss won the game, and it was nothing fluky about it. If anything, Alabama got kind of a questionable call that gave them. You the know, one in Oxford you're talking yeah, about. Right. Yeah, and there was nothing yeah. fluky about it. Now, last year you can say there was fluky things with the turnovers and everything. This wasn't. Uh, I don't have a great feel on Ole Miss right now because I think they're pretty banged up. Not only in inexperienced, but they lost one of their better defensive backs yep. early in that game. Yeah, they did. Uh, they do have guys. It depends how hot Chad Kelly comes out because he's got like Evan Ingram gave Alabama fits a couple yeah, years ago. A they have player. they have he's, some athletes out there, and if he can get it going, you know that they have a puncher's chance. Can they stop the run? Because if Lane can Ole just Miss. run the ball, and, and and for me for Ole Miss, Ole Miss is so they're just they're a one-dimensional offense. They can't run the football, and, and when you play. When you play Alabama, you, you've, you've got to try to do something. They, all Alabama's going to do defensively is, and they, they're so good up front that they can just rush for, corral yep. Chad Kelly, and then play zone in the back end. Because against Ole Miss's offense, you just want to limit the big play because he runs around, he'll throw it up, they'll make the play, the explosive pass play. I think that just falls into Alabama's strengths. At least they're a spread team because this is the bottom line. If you run a pro-style offense, you are not beating Alabama. You just aren't. Look, Deshaun, Look at LSU. Deshaun gave, Deshaun Look at USC. Him, in the last year in the title game, Deshaun gave him problems. Well, yeah, yeah mobile ate, quarterback. They, they ate up Connor Cook in that in that offense. Traditionally, obviously, Johnny Manziel gave them problems. I mean, a lot of people have problems with the spread, but that's what has worked. And Chad Kelly's a good athlete. Uh, he, Ch- Chad Kelly is is to me. He's just he's he's another gunslinger, man. Like he, he just I don't trust him. All. He's a good player. I like him. I like his confidence. But I'll tell you what, he will heave the ball up to nobody, and if <laughs> that'll get you, that'll lose the game. That's what that happened last year, State. though. You're That's what I'm saying. There'll guys. be a game where he'll throw up the ball and it'll bounce the way, and yeah. and they'll win. But uh, you just can't do that you against know what Alabama. This is a good matchup here. For it's the Kiffins. If Chris's defensive line at Ole Miss shows up, and they're, they, have, they have some really good players. They don't have Kimdichie, but they have really good players. And they can put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, maybe get some mistakes going. Mm-hmm. Bama, Bama's O-line is, is not no. great. So. Not, not great yet. Not great yet. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. saying. This is, this is not some them. sort of rollover game. And I, I know Ole Miss is, is banged up. Hey, uh, we're about to get into Michigan State and Notre Dame, so send us those uh, questions. We're going to get into some Heisman discussion in terms of new faces that should be in the Heisman conversation. We're also going to get into a couple other games, USC at Stanford, Texas Cal, and Colorado at Michigan. So send us your questions about any of that stuff wow. as we, uh, we'll roll through uh, the show here. And we invite you to share our show right now. You can share it on Facebook. So just share it with your friends. They can jump in and uh, watch what we've got going on. And uh, they can also chat with you and chat with us as we roll through the program. Um, okay, so let's go to Michigan State at Notre Dame. Michigan State at Notre Dame. That was funny. Notre Dame, one and one. But since going to Deshaun Kaiser in the second half of that Texas game, yeah. really good. Yep. Dangerous. I think they would have beaten Texas straight up if Kaiser plays the entire game. Versus a Michigan State team who was not impressive in week one. However, you could say the same thing about last year's team, which ended up in the playoff. They didn't, I think it was Western Michigan last year or something along those lines that they only beat by 13. So this is not new for for D'Antonio. This is the type of guy that, like Saban, wants to lean on his team, will use this as motivation. Uh, This is a great matchup. And Michigan State has been fantastic for the last three years. Notre Dame, I think, is a really good team if Kaiser's the quarterback, which he is right now. In Notre Dame, guys, and I think this one could go either way. Notre Dame probably more talented. Mm-hmm. Michigan State probably just the structure of the program overall a little bit better than what Brian Kelly has right now, in particular with some of those suspensions. Would you mm-hmm. agree? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think Kaiser's terrific. I, I was so impressed with him in, in week one. Michigan State gets Ed Davis back. He's, a, he's getting his sixth year. He's one of their best linebackers. He'll really help, but they got to ease him in. He's not going to be a huge presence, I don't think, this week. Notre Dame lost their arguably their best cornerback, too, so they're kind of banged up. I lean towards Notre Dame on this because I, I just think Kaiser is a big advantage quarterback-wise compared to Michigan State. I th- the concern I have for Notre Dame, and it's just, it's just how they played against Texas up front, Michigan State is a smash mouth. There's nothing pretty about them. There's nothing sexy about them, but they're going to run the football. They're going to eat the clock, and they will win 17 to 10. They don't care. There's no style points. Notre Dame's defense got just completely obliterated by yep. Texas's yep. offensive line. They're missing big backs. so many great players. And, and, Sheldon Day, right. Jalen Smith. I mean, they were good. Yeah, right. and that's the concern I have. Now, for Notre Dame, if they jump out to a lead and they have talented receivers, Kaiser's that good, then that, that falls into their favor because Michigan State is not a team built to, to want to air it out and come from behind. So I think Notre Dame starting fast at home. I like Notre Dame in this game, but I just worry if Michigan State controls the clock and they get out to a lead and they can just control tempo. Um, then it could be a rough day for Notre Dame. I'm just Notre Dame's defense. I'm not sold on. Israel just Cruz not. Flores says on Facebook: Irish 34, Michigan State 27. That's a lot of points. That is game. a lot of points for this game. I think Notre lot, Dame yeah. could get there, and we'll see if Michigan State's offense gets anything going. A name to, to watch for: L.J. Scott, mm-hmm. running back for Michigan State. Really good player. Burst on the scene last year in the Big Ten championship game. I think he had. 13 of the 22 plays in that 22-play drive that ended in his <laughs> touchdown to go to the playoffs. Um, so that's a game that we'll all be looking forward to on Saturday night. USC at Stanford. Uh, last year, Stanford took care of the Trojans twice, once in the regular season, once in the postseason. Don Livingston says, and Matt, I'll let you handle this, how much will SC play Sam Darnold this Saturday? Because he did get a lot of time last week and looked pretty good. He played good. I think he was 5 for 7, a couple touchdowns. Um, let me tell you something. Uh, Max Brown has got a very short leash, in my opinion. And it's not because he's playing bad. He's not really playing good. He's just kind of gone out there. And, and it's not all on him. This offense right now has zero identity. The offensive line is struggling. The, Ronald Jones has been no factor. I know he, he's nursing an injury. Uh, Juju Smith has not been a factor. They can't get him the ball. They can't get him the ball, and it, it's, it's concerning. And I think with Sam Darnold, at least he brings an added dimension because he can move. He, he's got a little bit of moxie to him. Joel, we were at spring practice. The kid can throw it. Yeah, he can. He can. Throw well, but Better he can than also, I was expecting, Yeah, actually. me too. And he can run around and make some plays. And I think he brings, I think he brings a spark, a, a little bit of a different spark uh, to this offense. Max Brown is talented. If he has time, he could throw it. I just I don't know what they're doing offensively. I don't know yeah. if they want to be a running team. I don't, I don't know. There's identity. no explosive pass game. I mean, I mean, you were at the you were at their opener against K State, Stanford. You know, you have a really inexperienced front with USC, front seven. I mean, is this a game where Christian McCaffrey's going to yes. embarrass them? Yes, and I'll tell you why. I know I caught some flack for this on on Twitter, but I said during the broadcast, and I still believe a broadcast of that game, uh, Stanford and, Mich- and Kansas State that that Kansas State defense is good. Yeah. Matt, you saw them up yeah. close and personal. Will Gary is solid yeah. up front. Um, they've got Elijah Lee as a linebacker, who's a very good player. Safeties were playing Their hard. safeties were playing great. I mean, that is a tough defense to gain yards against. As evidence, here, here were the stats. In 20 of the 22 carries for Christian McCaffrey, he gained 50 total yards. And then in the other two, the right. touchdown runs, he gained yeah. 76. Yeah. It shows you two things. One, how good Kansas State's defense is, and two, how dangerous McCaffrey is because you can hem him in all day long and he can then still beat you. I, I don't think SC has enough. I think Stanford's better than they were a year ago, and that's tough for me to say because I really liked Kevin Hogan. But Burns, Ryan Burns, was a really solid player in that first, quor- uh, first quarter, and if they stick with him, I think Stanford's really good, guys. I was also – sorry, Bruce. I was also impressed with Stanford's D-line. I mean, Solomon they, Thomas. Solomon Thomas. But, but just uh, – I was on the field, a part of that game, and I'm sitting there like, they've got some big boys up there, and they were just – and Kansas State offensively is not a juggernaut, but they got a tough offensive sure. line, and they were just – they were all over the quarterback, so that to me too is a concern because right now USC's offensive line was supposed to be a strength going into the season, and and it's almost a concern right now going into week three. So. Yeah, I'm curious. And Bryce Love was a guy we talked about during yeah. the during the uh, off season as this other dimension. I mean, do we see him kind of you know 
give a spark to this yeah, team and take some pressure off McCaffrey. He didn't play in week one. He was practicing. I saw him practice and, and go through some drills. But uh, Cody Ronan says Stanford 32-17. Who do you guys think will actually win the Pac-12? My pick, Stanford. I still think they're the best team, although Washington has been awful impressive uh, in the first couple of weeks. Yep. Overall, though, the league kind of down. I think it helped that Arizona State throttled Texas Tech like they did, running for about 8 million yards and 1,000 touchdowns. Texas at Cal, speaking of the Pac-12. Texas, Shane Bouchelle uh, played well again last week. Yeah. They're at Cal. This comes down to one thing for me, literally one thing. Can Texas handle playing at 9.30 their own time? They play 7.30 West Coast time, so they're traveling out. We make a big deal about these body clock issues. Right. That's real. Yeah. Anyone that's ever traveled for a living knows that that's real. Can Texas kick at 9.30 at night in their own body clock and have enough energy to just sustain going up against Davis Webb and an offense for like that's going to put hours, it up for like five times. hours. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a long game, I think, if it's up to Cal. I don't, I don't think this game is close. You don't think Cal can stop him on defense? No, I don't think so. I think Texas controls it. Cal's looked impressive, actually. I know they lost last week, but they, they're going to score points. I just defensively they're 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 in the same realm as texas tech in a sense where they just can't stop anybody a lot of the air raid teams no i know and i i just you can't you can't win games like that against texas is a good team i'm not you know i'm not there yet i want to i want to see them keep winning but is texas back hit us up on facebook is texas Texas back back? i think they are and i was like the biggest doubter coming into (laughs) the season i really was i was a i was a stinking hater on texas and i watched them now for a couple of weeks and i'm like okay they were right. They do have their quarterback, and their defense is a lot better than I thought it was. Even with Kaiser scoring a lot of points late and getting that game in overtime, Michael Waltman, by the way, says Texas 38-17. Randy Pippen says Texas 42, Cal 17. That's about where I would be at, Texas 42-17. But how much do you I think, think it Texas is? Texas is really good. How much? Yeah. I think they are too. But how much do you think it is? The rest of the back, tw- the Big 12 has kind of slid back to them. Oklahoma doesn't feel like us, and we'll find out more Saturday. But Oklahoma State, you know, that team was not impressive. Baylor, the team I saw last week, they got offensive line issues. They didn't look very good. TCU just lost. Just I feel got like, beat by Arkansas. Yeah, I feel like it's, you know, obviously with Texas Tech still atrocious on defense. You know, I don't know. I think the rest of the conference is right around them. I, more than, like, everyone has backpedaled to them now, and, and a lot depends on what happens in Norman. Listen, if Oklahoma gets a win over Ohio State, then, yeah, then we're right back into back, the, yeah. you know, Oklahoma should win the Big 12 conversation. But... I think that the Big 12 desperately needs Texas to win this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. think about it now from a global perspective. The conference cannot have Texas go and lose to Cal. They just can't. Right, a team that just lost to a good San Diego State team, but still a non-Power 5. You've had TCU lose. You've had Oklahoma lose. You've had Texas Tech get run on the road against Arizona State. So uh, Trip Tepper says Texas gave up 47 points to Notre Dame. Yes, I understand that. Notre Dame is also very good offensively. I would say one of the top eight offenses in <laughs> the country. one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, with Kaiser at quarterback. Yeah. Um, but it was home. I, I mean, this is a road game. You're using your body clocks. I, I think Texas will win, but I think they're going to give up a bunch of points to Cal. How many? 35. I think it's like a 45-35 game. I, I, I think Cal's defense that. is so bad, but I think, I think Davis Webb and those receivers are going to light up Texas. Cody says, I think Charlie Strong finally has his guys playing the style of football that he wants to play. Um, I think actually Texas's boosters have Charlie Strong <laughs> playing the type of football that they want him to play, which is Sterling Gilbert coming in as the offensive coordinator. Um, but neither here nor there. Let's get to the real game, baby. Come on, Buffs. Come on, Buffs. Why are we even talking? Because about this they're game? the number one defense in the country. And who have they played in two weeks? I don't want to talk about who they've played. I want to talk about the fact that Colorado goes to Michigan. This game is getting some uh, national pub. This this question has been up here the whole time. I know. Dustin says Lloyd Christmas (laughs) is the punt returner for Colorado. No chance Michigan kicks to Lloyd. But if he goes down, then Harry Dunn is the backup. (laughs) That will be the difference in the game. No question. Because this is the depth chart that Colorado released this week. This is brilliant. You guys have to share this on on social media. Dave Platty is the sports information director at, at Colorado. He was there when I played at Colorado. I love Dave to death. He is phenomenal. Because Michigan doesn't give out a depth chart, he gave this one out today, which is just movie characters and cartoon characters from every different movie and show that you could possibly think of. 
i.e., the place kicker and kickoffs are listed as starter number 17, Scotty Smalls, and his backup number 15, Squints Paladoris. Hey, well, the good news is if the starting quarterback, Elmer Fudd, goes down, <laughs> Danny DeVito comes in at 5'3", 200 pounds. 5'3", 200 pounds. I think that's a, winning, that's a winning quarterback right you there. you got to go check this out. We're going to send it out on our Facebook page. So we'll what, is, what, is, what does McIntyre say to this, Joel? What is he? What's that if conversation like? If I was Mike like McIntyre, the head coach of Colorado, I would hate this because this immediately so what went is, onto the billboard. Yeah, if this, <laughs> for Michigan. If this came out a couple of days after the video of Jim Harbaugh on the sideline, what are the odds that Spalding Smales would be on the depth chart? Oh, a hundred percent would be. <laughs> Dave Platty is is brilliant, and he's one of those like movie buffs, like knows every movie line and character. So Spalding would have. Fr- You'll get nothing like it. That would have been amazing, right? That would have been absolutely amazing. I actually do think Colorado is going to play better in this game than people give them credit. I'm not being a homer. Hold on. Hold on. Joel's about to pick a huge upset here. No, I no, 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 no. I, I'm not going to pick an upset because I think Michigan is, is deserving of where they're at in the rankings. I think Colorado, though, is a team that could give them problems. All right? They're fast. Offensively, they've scored a lot of points, albeit on nobody. But they're one of the top three teams in margin of victory so far. So even if you're playing lower competition, what should you do against lower competition? You don't win by two like Georgia did over Nichols. You don't win by one score like Clemson over Troy. You throttle them, and that's exactly what Colorado has done. Um, They've scored 100 points so far. They've got a veteran quarterback. Yeah, I just think Colorado they're, they're is going to play well. They, and they were, I mean, even we make fun of each other on this, but they were more competitive last year, too. I know they didn't win a lot of games, but they, they, they are competing more. So that's why I actually agree with you. I think this will be a, a, a little bit of a stiff no, test within two touchdowns. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. You know who I think screwed this up for Colorado your Colorado will score. Well, your boy, Scotty Frost. Because he, when he went out and said, yeah, our guys out hit Michigan. Yes. That pissed Harbaugh off. Scott Frost is the head coach at UCF. UCF went up there. And, and what is he doing? Well, you got to understand, Scott really hates Michigan because Nebraska shared their national title when Frost was a quarterback with Michigan, Brian Greasy's Michigan team. He hates them. I mean, yeah, he has forever. He has, a little bit of, he has a little Harbaugh in him, too. It just doesn't do it on social media. That's true. That's absolutely true. Um, another memory that this game brings up, at least for me, and for those of you that live in Colorado or even around the country, you'll remember this. Keith Jackson was there in the big house, and it was the miracle at Michigan, September 24th, 1994. Cordell Stewart to Michael Westbrook. Uh, one of the great memories of my youth was that day. I remember exactly where I was. I was at Cherry Creek High School, and I was watching a fall like club volleyball game of my older sisters. And one of the dads of, of one of the daughters had a portable television, even in 1994. Remember the old ones with oh, yeah. the antenna? Yeah. It was like this <laughs> the small screen. So it's like a gray, you're black and white. It's at. black and white. But literally, the entire gym starts coming over and is like, hey, there's a guy with a TV. <laughs> and so he had probably, I would say, 35 of the 40 people there watching the volleyball game. He had the 35 of them watching this little screen. So the volleyball game is going on, <laughs> and we're all sitting in the stands watching this little screen. And when Michael Westbrook came down with that ball, the place erupts, oh, the yeah. game stops. That was one of the great, I mean, now, by the way, Colorado was also really good back then. <laughs> they, I think they finished third in the country that year, uh, only lost one and game Cordell to that. Cordell Stewart was pretty good. Cordell was good. <laughs> so was Michael Westbrook. Yeah. No, they could, he could sling it, man. Cordell Stewart. Westbrook could fight, too. Who did he that? pummel with? The, Stephen Davis? Stephen Davis. That's right. That's right. All right. Uh, Heisman conversation. I know we're running a little bit long, but we've got to get to some names, guys, that deserve Heisman consideration. We started with Lamar Jackson on this program earlier. We talked about him, but Donnell Pumphrey from San Diego State leads the country in rushing. Royce Freeman is averaging an obscene nine and a half yards per carry. And Kalen Balaj just scored eight touchdowns in a college football game. Eight! I'll beat against Texas Tech, but eight! And three quarters of the country didn't watch it because <laughs> it was going on until midnight. But I th- watched th- it. I watched it too. That was an that was an impressive performance, I mean, and I think the the greatest thing about it was I think he only had what fifteen yeah. touches. Why don't they give him the ball more? Um, he's a big dude. I know he's really fast, but why doesn't he get more touches? There are I want to say this as diplomatically as I can. There are coaching staffs that like to use their personnel the best way the personnel should be used, and there are coaching staffs that like to use their scheme the best way mm-hmm. that they want to use their scheme. 
So there's scheme-oriented guys and there's personnel-oriented guys. I think Arizona is a scheme-oriented program. Arizona State, yeah. Arizona State, I'm sorry. It's like, a scheme-oriented program. That's. He, I'm not trying to say one's better than the other. I'm not. That's not. It's almost like how down. they use DJ Foster too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, last year. You know, they stay within. So they're a plug-and-play rather right. than a. Hey, what can our kids right. do now? Let's put them yeah. in a different position to be successful. That's. Not one is right. More right than yeah, the other. I remember you because he's a Colorado kid. I don't know where from where, Taylor but I remember you've been talking to him for like area, three yeah. years. We did a, a I forgot what Thursday night game I went to, and you'd see him. And you're like, man, that guy looks like he would play yep. anywhere. Yeah. And then you just you see this performance, like, where has this been? Why is it just like now? You know, obviously Texas Tech is awful on D, but why is he not more of a presence? How about Royals Royce Freeman? <laughs> you love you I love Royce Freeman. Royals Royce Freeman, baby. If, there, if there's one player game. in college football that Joel loves, it is Royce Freeman. I do love Royce I know Freeman. you love him. I love him, too. And, the and most underappreciated running back in college football. I just appreciate these guys on the West Coast that get no love whatsoever, yeah. and they're treated as also-rans and afterthoughts, and I put three of them on, on our kind of up-and-rising uh, Heisman. But there is one more guy that I think deserves – well, not even deserves. He's got a little Heisman in him, if you really think about it. And I thought he was amazing this week. Look at this quarterback here, wearing, <laughs> wearing number 11, <laughs> dropping the dime. That looks a lot like... Did uh, you put the run in there, too, because the run, he got... Did we put the run in? Oh, uh -oh. Matt, who are we watching? So, this is my son, Cole, yeah! who's, who's nine. And uh, the big fella can run, Look unlike at him. me. Look at him. Look at him. Nice Go, watch the, watch the high knees. Boom. Just looking back. I love this. Get in the end zone now. Celebrate. The best. The best. I'm the offensive coordinator, Joel. So you know, I I, I take what the defense gives me. Hands the ball to the officials. We got some celebrating. That yeah. is awesome. That's great. Man. Cole is how old is he? He's, again? He'll be ten next month. So he's four, he's a fourth grade. He's a giant. But he's little kid. Yeah, dude. I, mean, I love it. How often do you get other parents from other teams that are like? Is that kid really nine? Well, you know Show what? Show me it, it his happened, birth certificate. It happened in, in a, when he was playing club basketball for Manhattan Beach, South Bay. That club basketball, AAU basketball is its own, I mean, that thing is, it's unbelievable. And he was he drops a dime. dominating against Dude, his team. Dude, he threw team. that 30 yards. He's On nine. a line, yeah. And it was unbelievable. Yeah, he's uh, nine. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he's nine, nine guys. <laughs> But anyway, a uh, basketball parent uh, complained because on those tournaments, you have to, you have to bring um, a birth certificate because so many kids are cheating the system. And, I mean, that's a whole other story. Not Cole. Not Cole, man. Not Cole. Does it the right he, way. Or as he's known around the South Bay as Little El Monte. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, Little Danny El Monte. Yeah, I love it. Uh, hey, Cole, well done, my friend. I love the uh, – He's got How the skeets, man. 80-yard You're more impressed with it. You're like, yeah, he can throw. He should be able to. Well, because the scamper. Because I don't think I ran for 80 yards in Ever. 18 years of playing football. <laughs> I mean. Oh, that's When fantastic. he took off, I was thinking, all right, he's going to get tackled five yards. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Look at the big fella move. Tell me. You were proud back, dad. You were I'm a proud dad, You were man. back there pumping your face. You guys will be there you short in a couple years. Can't wait. Hey, guys, thank you. Thanks, I appreciate buddy. it. Yeah. Bruce, Matt, you can follow him on Twitter, at Matt Leinert at Bruce Feldman CFB. Remember Friday night, we're going to be live on Facebook Live. We are going to be um, uh, live in Norman. Okay, so if you're there, come on out and, and check us out. 7 Eastern, 6 Central on Facebook Live. And we're going to be previewing Oklahoma, Ohio State with an awesome, authentic college football show for you right down and dirty, organic, nitty gritty from the campus. Thank you for watching tonight. This has been Breaking the Huddle presented by Dr. Pepper.